what's going on, coaches? Hopefully everyone is staying happy, staying healthy, uh, enjoying a little bit of time with their family. Um, we want to know, we want you to know that we've got uh, everything you need over at our website, runthepower.com, uh, for any of your football needs. Uh, we've got video up there. We've got podcasts. We've got some of our um, past summits all up there on our website. You can check out. Um, Coach Walls has done an unbelievable job with our videos that he's put up. Uh, we've got a lot of other coaches from special teams to uh, strength and conditioning all in our RTP premium. We've had you know over 30 coaches um, in the different summits. Uh, normally, we have our O-line hot summit in July. Kind of thinking about not doing it this year. Kind of let, let us know. Let us know what you guys think. Right now, there's just so many um, things out there right now. I just I don't know if the, if, if the need's there for you guys. Do you need an extra thing? Uh, or just go ahead and wait until next year when everything calms down and, and there's not as much stuff online. I don't, you know, let us know. We want to help you guys as much as we can. You can get a hold of us through Twitter, um, run the power, or uh, email us, coach at runthepower.com. But anything you guys need, hopefully we've got it covered over at our website, runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a 10-week off-season football training program with a -a two-a-day speed and agility program. This template even comes with videos from some of the top SEC strength coaches that will show you how to run your weight room. Visit their website and enter the code RTP to get the off-season football training template and start your 14-day completely free trial at teambuilder.com. Again, enter code RTP at teambuilder.com, which is team, B-U-I-L-D-R.com. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Chip Siegel. Coach Siegel was the offensive coordinator, offensive line coach at Lynette High School in Lynette, Alabama. Listen as we talk with Coach Siegel about the jet sweep theory and drills, plays off, plays off of jet sweep, and the storied history of Lynette High School football in Alabama. You can follow Coach Siegel on Twitter at Chip Siegel. Hope you guys enjoy. My name is Chip Siegel. I'm the offensive coordinator. I have been the offensive coordinator until about a year ago at Lynette High School. We've won the state championship in Alabama the two out of the last three years. And uh, there's a long story on why we should have won four in a row. But anyway, so I retired from classroom teaching. December was a year ago. And I decided to step down and, and take what I thought would be a dream job as being an offensive line coach in retirement at the same school. And it has been a dream job. And we hired a young offensive coordinator and came in and we won the state championship again this past year with him. And so, uh, which was fun. I actually got to coach an entire year and didn't call a single play, (laughs) but I got to work, but I got to work with the best youngins in the world, which are offensive linemen. And, uh, and our offensive linemen aren't near as big as the ones that I hear y'all talking about, but uh, because we're a small school, 225 kids in Lynette, and that's uh, nine through 12, and about 100 of those are boys. We dress out about 40 kids every Friday night, and um, I'll tell you this, we've had over 20 kids sign athletic uh, football scholarships in the last 11 years from a school that has a little over 200 kids in it, so that's been kind of amazing. Uh, I wanted to be a football coach since I was in high school. My first thing was in junior high, I wanted to be a history teacher, and then I had a great coach in high school, and I said, now I want to coach too. He said, well, you know, you do that and teach history. And I said, really? And so, and then I went on and walked on at Troy uh, when Coach Gailey was there back in 83 and 84, won the national championship in 84 and D2. And the uh, only time in my life I've ever pulled for the Dallas Cowboys was when Coach Gailey was the head coach there. And uh, because he was a great class act and, then after that, I just started coaching down there in southeast Alabama, and I coached all over the state of Alabama since 1985. Started out a little bitty private school and been to big 7A schools, and now I'm closing out my career in Alabama at a 1A slash 2A. We just dropped to 1A and then went back up to 2A this past time. And that's where I am, and there's been a whole lot of stuff in between. <laughs> so, Well, I think I think probably the most uh, impressive thing is the percentage of, of- – uh, males at your school that are actually playing football. I mean, that's 
close to 50% of your males are, are on the football team. What do you think, what do you contribute to such a high percentage? Uh, there's nothing else to do, <laughs> but <laughs> no, with, with the, the story of Lynette, when we came in there, Coach Story hired me in, uh, in June of 2009. He got the job in May. He didn't even get to go through spring with them. And uh, he actually got to go to watch the spring game. Uh, he got hired like on a Thursday to play the spring game on a Friday with the previous staff uh, assistant coaches. And he hired me in June, and I was the only one he brought in, me and his brother-in-law, who came in as a community coach. And his brother-in-law, uh, you may have heard of him. He played 14 years in the NFL. He was Peyton Manning's first good tight end, Marcus Pollard with the Colts. And uh, Marcus and I ran the offense together for a few years before Marcus took a job with the Jaguars. And he's been down with the Jaguars now for the last, what, seven, eight years. And uh, we came in and we went six and four, got beaten the first round of the playoffs. And that was a really good team, but they weren't into what we were doing. I mean, we had some really good players. The next year, we had a full off season. We ran a whole bunch of kids off, not on purpose. The work ran them off. But we decided we were going to do it our way or we were going to get fired. We were going to win our way or get fired our way. And does that make sense? And so then we, uh, we went one and nine, won the 10th game of the season. We were 0 and nine going into the 10th game of the season. Three years later, when we started probably seven or eight kids that year that were either in the eighth or ninth grade. And then we, Three years later, that bunch goes to the third round of the playoffs. So, and then, of course, three years after that, we win our first state championship since the old days back in 63. I told the kids, I said, you realize the last time we won state, Lynette, I was still wearing diapers. And uh, <laughs> so then we took, and, and that's a true story. We won, you know, I was born in 62 and they won it in 63. So I was probably in, in back then we had the plastic romper pants. And, uh, so we won it in 17, got beaten the third round in 18, got beaten. Well, in 16, we got beaten the fourth round by the state champs, got won it in 17, got beaten the third round in, six, in uh, 18, and then won it again this past year. And everything, I credit everything back to that one and nine. Everything back to that one and nine. And three coaches on that staff, we're all still there. Now, we've had some other coaches come in, and they've hung out for a while. But three coaches came in in 09, went through 09 and 10, and then we rebuilt that thing with a bunch of eighth and ninth graders and just kept building it and got it going our way. And now when they come in, they just know what's expected of them. And, and it's a small situation. It's a town of about 6,000 people, and most of them are old and retired people. And so you're talking about maybe half the town is has children. and so it's a small system. We got about a thousand kids in K through 12th grade. And like I said, 225 of them roughly are in, in the high school. And we just built the thing the way we wanted it to be built. And we made the decision, like I said, we're going to either get fired our way or we're going to win our way. And, and that's what we did. So was, was there much pressure uh, after that one and nine season? Sometimes those, those small communities are even more brutal than the, than the really big ones. Well, there was no pressure from the uh, administration. Mm. There's a lot to be said for an administration that doesn't know much about football. And <laughs> you can laugh, cause, but I'm serious. The, uh, they didn't know. But now the community, I mean, there were people yelling out the stands at us and stuff like that. And I'm oh, sitting there sure. in my head, I'm going like, and I'm sitting there thinking like, do you not see this kid right here is in the eighth grade? You know, in my head, I'm thinking this. And then I'm thinking, like, one night I look out there and there's probably three kids on the field old enough to have a driver's license, you know. And, and so, and, but like I said, those kids hung in there and uh, we had that great, you know, in the off-season program. And, with, and it's a town that was an old mill town. And a lot of that old mill town mentality is still there. And a lot of the older people got behind what we were doing for whatever reason and started putting a little money into it. Somebody gave us $15,000 after that first year to go buy all new weights. The weight room was almost non-existent. And, uh, and we've never wanted for anything or well ever needed for anything. If we need, I told somebody, I said, we need a seven man sled. We got a seven man sled. We need a shoot. We got a shoot. And 
that kind of stuff mattered, you know. And boy, here's one thing, and a lot of coaches laugh at me and think I'm pretentious about it. We got a clock, one of those segment clocks. Oh, yeah. And somebody said, who do y'all think y'all are, the Green Bay Packers, you know, whatever. <laughs> and I said, here's the thing. I said, here's the thing. I said, you treat it like what you want it to be. Mm-hmm. You treat it like what you want it to be. Are y'all familiar with Greek mythology? Yes, a little bit. Um, maybe. Are, are you familiar with the story of Pygmalion? Are you familiar with the story of Pygmalion? I've heard Pygmalion in the classroom from Walls, but I'm not sure if right. that's the same thing. Okay. About the sculptor who sculpted a statue and he fell in love with it and he started treating it like a real woman. And then I think it was Venus, the goddess of love, gave, uh, gave the statue life and it came to life and he married the statue. I know that sounds kind of freaky and weird, but anyway, <laughs> my point is you treat it like you, what you want it to be. Okay. We want it. We are this little school and we treat it like we're at the university of Alabama. Mm-hmm. We have a schedule. We print it up. Every coach gets it. We've had coaches that came in and stayed a little bit and they thought we were over the top. They thought we were being too, doing too much. We have all, coach Clifford story jr who was coach of the year back in 2013 in the state of Alabama after we turned it around and then we treated it like what we wanted it to be. We want it to be a big time program. Listen, we've got athletes. I tell you over 20 kids have signed college scholarships. Over 10 have signed D one scholarships from this little bitty school in the last 11 years. One of them played in the XFL. Our first big signing who went to UAB Shaq Jones played in the, played for the St. Louis battle Hawks this past Sunday afternoon. You know, and that all coming from this little bitty school. And by the way, this little bitty school has got three gold footballs from the NFL. We've had three guys play in the Super Bowl, Jeez. not in our watch, not in our watch, but from our school since before we were there. We had two guys that graduated from Lynette in the 60s played in the first Super Bowl for the Chiefs. And then we had one play in the Titans Rams Super Bowl a few years ago. So we've got three gold balls in our trophy case. Our kids see this stuff every day when they walk in through the lobby. And we just kept, and we, and we embraced our past. We embraced our history and said, we're going to do this again. And we started treating the program like it was a million-dollar program. Like, I'll be on the field, and I go, hey, I need a ball over here. I said, my God, we got a multi-million-dollar program, and we can't get a freaking football lined up on the spot. And I say that all the time. And at first, people laugh at it, but you keep doing it, and you keep doing it. And the kids start believing, oh, my God, we're a million-dollar program. You know, and then – and we get the backdrops. We have big signing day ceremonies. This little bitty school. You know, these kids—they—they think they're—they think they're in the big time. And I'm gonna tell you what, bro. The big time is wherever you are at that point. Wherever you are right now, coaches, you're coaching the big time. You're coaching the big time in Oklahoma high school football, and you're coaching the big time in Iowa high school football. Because wherever you are is the big time. That's our philosophy. I love it, and and I'm sure those kids obviously uh, eat all that up. Oh yeah, the, the they they eat it up, and we treat them like a million dollars. And we don't we don't have a million dollars, but we treat them like a million dollars. You know, we're going to feed them, we're going to get them home, we're going to get them to workouts, we're going to get them you know wherever they need to be. Small town, you know, and you know, and we're going to coach them up hard, and we're going to love them up good, and we do it, and, and it's every day. Like I said, I retired last December. I go in every day around, don't get mad at me, guys. I sleep to about seven instead of get up at five. I get up, <laughs> I go for my run. And then I decide to go in around, I get there about noon. And then I do a third block weightlifting, a fourth block weightlifting, and after school weightlifting. And I leave about five o'clock. And I'll do that until the grass starts growing again. And then I'll, I'll mow the grass when I get through with weightlifting. And the kids are there. We uh, remember now we're a small school, so we share athletes. We got baseball, basketball, football, track. We average thirty something kids a day in the weight room in a program with only forty some athletes. Where are those other kids? They're at basketball practice. And right now we're on a run for another state championship. We've won three basketball championships, two football championships, and two track championships since two thousand and ten. Yeah, we've got some athletes. Winning breeds winning, man. I love that that part. You know, you're talking about Pygmalion. I mean, you know, it, it is the big time. I mean, the the things we tell the kids. You know, I 
it, it bothers me to no end when, when people keep saying, you know, you, you keep praising them, they're going to get a big head, they're going to get a big head. It, it's, it's not true. Kids don't need to be put in their place, right? I, I think more kids now need, need confidence and need to be pumped up and, and need to be told that, you know, hey, you, you're going you're gonna to be the best. And, and I think when, you, when you're consistently telling those kids that and, you know, making sure you're holding them accountable to work to that standard and we're going to be the best – they're, they're going to get a heck of a lot closer to it than me just saying, oh, you're going to get a big head, quit acting like this. I mean, they'll, they'll do exactly, exactly the stuff that we want to do. And, and you're talking about, you know, picking them up and feeding them, you know, and, and being there in the weight room. I, I just think something simple like that, Coach, you know, you're retired. You, you could easily say, I'm going to drink my coffee. I'm going to hang out. I'm going to, you know, you know, be on YouTube and read the paper. But, no, I'm, you're in the, in the weight room helping those kids out, and they see that every single day. They're like, man, this, this is the big time. Coach really cares about it. He's still coming around even though he is retired. Oh, well, I'll tell them every now and then, you know, everything you say is right, but they're still youngins. And every now and then they got to be put back right, you know what I'm saying. Good and every now and then, man, had to do it in a while. I said, now, listen, either you're going to do it this way, or I'm going to get my happy butt in that black pickup truck out there. I'm going to drive to my house, sit on my porch, drink my drink, and pet my dog. And I said, because I ain't got to be here. And they go, like, yeah, he's right, he's right, you know, that kind of thing like that. And that's every now and then. I haven't done that in so long. I can't remember when I did it. But I've had to every now and then say, you know, why are we here? Why, why are we here? You know, and, and, and it's become, when you've been somewhere 11 years, when the kids you are working with were in kindergarten or younger when you came there, you know, and they grew up with you watching you on the sidelines or looking up in the press box that you call in place. I was watching the other day I was working out on my elliptical because it's been so rainy down here, by the way, you know, Noah's Ark ain't got nothing on the Southeast right now, y'all. I'm telling <laughs> you, it is rain. I was working out on my elliptical and I was watching, I got a little, uh, nostalgic and I was watching 2013 game film and uh, the year we went to the third round running wing tee and fullback dive and all that and we scored a touchdown and out running on the field with the tee and the kicking ball is the little ball boy and I assumed right then that that's so-and-so then I realized wait a minute this is seven years ago I said oh my god that's so and that's so and so's big brother who just graduated last year and is now playing free safety at the University of Oregon <laughs> That's a true story. I mean, it, these kids, and, and by the way, our quarterback just signed with the University of Alabama. He was the other ball boy on the sideline in that 2013 film. These kids literally grew up, all they knew was Lynette Panther football. And that's what made the difference. I mean, we, we, last year we had a kid signed to go to Oregon. This year we had a kid signed to go to the University of Alabama. And he was an all he's an all American on some of those all American lists. Yep. Look it up. Christian story, Christian with a K. That'll yep. that'll make you really good, um, coach, if you got a if you got a quarterback going to Alabama. Well, let me tell you though. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Right, don't be one of those coaches that's my pet peeve that talks about, well, you guys just got so much talent. Dude, I know what that means. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When you go to a clinic, and they go, man, y'all are just loaded. Y'all are loaded every year. I said, well, you know what? When we got there, we went one and nine the second year. You know, that's what I'm not fussing at you. I'm just saying, when coaches talk about what great talent you have, you know what they're saying, right? You know, <laughs> I don't know what yeah. they're saying, coach, but I'm saying that, that's got to that's gotta make your, your sleeps at night a little bit easier, knowing you got that oh, no, guy slinging it around. Oh, but let me tell you, I've been coaching 34 years. And I, there has been times when nobody was apologizing to me because they had more talent than me. So I'm not apologizing to anybody either for finally. If you stick with it long enough, you'll get your quarterback that signs with the University of Alabama is what I'm saying. So, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know, but I, I sure hope so. Shoot, what are you talking about? Are you, you had a you had an old lineman that had I know I everybody had an, in the country, man. I Come know on. an old lineman, but I'm still waiting for a quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will tell you this about that kid. We call him Ken Ken. His middle name is Kennedy. We call him Ken Ken. Uh, five, six years ago, he was in junior high school. And his daddy's our his daddy, by the way, is the head coach, athletic director. He calls me in the office and it's after school weightlifting. And uh 
And we got one of those offices with the windows where you can look out in there. And there was two or three other assistants out there. And uh, you know, notice how I made sure I, I, I got the supervision thing put out there on the air. Right, guys? I mean, you're public school teachers. Y'all know That's all about right. supervision, right? Excellent. Anyway, and he said, hey, the central office called. And they said they were noticing you had enough time to retire. And I said, yeah, I've had enough time to retire for a couple of years now. Well, they were kind of wanting to know, are you thinking about retiring? And I looked out there at our eighth grade junior high quarterback, the one that just signed with Alabama, that was working out in the power clean with a hundred and it was a plate on each side plus some weight, which is pretty good for a junior high kid on the power clean. And I looked out there and I pointed at his son and I said, let me tell you something, coach. When that big joker right there graduates, I'll think about retiring. And that was the day I said, (laughs) those kids in that weight room right there, that's a state championship waiting to happen. And we won two with them. So, yeah. Well, smart yeah, move. I, thank you very much. <laughs> I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I'm not the dullest either. <laughs> That's right. I figured that out real quick. So, but that's how we've done it. I mean, we've had good athletes, and they've always had good athletes. Sure. I've been working over spring break. I did a – by the way, this year is our 100th year of having football at Lynette. You know, we're, we're – you know, we're talking about doing some special things, bringing back some of those guys that played in the Super Bowls and the countless guys that played at Auburn, Alabama, Clemson. Clemson had a that gum pipeline coming out of Lynette at one point. By the way, if you don't know where Lynette is, if you come out of Atlanta, headed toward Auburn, when you cross the Chattahoochee River. Right the on the Chattahoochee. Immediately right on the Chattahoochee, right there. You take a right off the interstate, off 75, that's Lynette. It was an old mill town. And Clemson had a textile engineering program back in the old days. And they had a pipeline of kids coming up out of Clemson. Auburn and Clemson were the number one places back in the 40s, 50s, and 60s for the net kids to go. Yep. Those orange tigers on both sides of the river. Yep. And so they've always been there. You know, and so we came in and we just got our program going the way we wanted to do it. And by the way, I'd always been at big schools and the head coach, Coach Story, had always been at big schools. So we brought in a big school mentality and people bucked it to begin with. Y'all not this, y'all not that, you know, y'all doing too much, Coach. And uh, we hung in there and thankfully the superintendent didn't know enough about football to stop it. So he left us alone. <laughs> Yeah, you can tell I'm retired and the superintendent is retired now for me saying that on the air. <laughs> so, Coach, you know, but, coaching, coaching right down there, you know, on the Chattahoochee, you know, between Alabama and, and Georgia, I mean, obviously football hotbed, you know, it, it just seems like to me, you know, when you, when you talk about, you know, everybody, everybody mentions Georgia, everybody mentions Florida, everybody mentions Texas and, and California, you know, with the number of athletes. But, you know, to me, a lot of your, your biggest – great athletes come out of Alabama for whatever reason it just seems like you know per capita there's just athletes all over the place you know tall fast long I mean whatever whatever you want to kind of describe there's all kinds of those athletes that are down in you know Alabama and and a lot of them happen to be you know not at you know maybe some of the bigger and and powerhouse schools you find a lot of them in some of these towns you know that are about the size of Lynette you know can you explain a little bit about that? I mean, even, you know, kind of I've watched some of your guys' film and stuff like that. I mean, there's there's great athletes in a lot of the teams you guys are facing every single week. Oh, yeah. But, dude, I got my hand in the air. I'm about to speak in tongues because you're reading my mind. <laughs> All right. Now, uh, <laughs> you can tell I was raised by a preacher, uh, my grandfather. But the uh, I broke out what you just said a few years ago on a guy, a big Georgia guy. Big Georgia Bulldog fan, big Georgia high school football fan. And I said, well, you know, Alabama puts out as many uh, D1 athletes as, as Georgia does per capita. And he was like, I don't know what that per capita means, is, but I know we put out more than y'all do. And, and so it became a big joke. And I got friends now that talk about, hey, have you talked to per capita lately? You know, and here's the thing. Georgia football is bigger than Alabama football. And I'll tell you why. Lynette is not allowed to exist. Lynette High School does not exist in the state of Georgia. Mm -hmm. There's no school that size. We'll play, we're a 2A. We'll play a 1A school in Georgia with 300, 400 kids. Well, here we are with 200 kids, and we're a 2A in Alabama. 
you know, in Alabama, they took the scripture, but the scripture says, says where one or two are gathered together in my name, there shall be also. Alabama misinterpreted that and said that we shall build a school when there's one or two gathered together. So we've got these little bitty schools and they play football and they, there's great athletes that come out of them, but they're not schools like, like I said, just 18 miles from me is a 1A school with 400 kids. And I live in Georgia, by the way. Lynette's right on the river. I live in Georgia. Um, I tell people I'm a temporarily misplaced. As long as I keep my wife fooled, I'm temporarily misplaced living over here in Georgia. But the front porch looks west, so I can always see the sunset in Alabama. And uh, we just, um, they got 400 kids, and they're a 1A. If they were in Alabama, they'd be a 3A or a 4A, you know. We don't have but five or six schools in 7A in Alabama that could compete with the 7As in Georgia just because of sheer number. Because the 7A in Georgia's got like 3,000 kids. A 7A in Alabama's got 1,500 kids. And so there's not the schools aren't as big. But the athletes are good. There's just not as many of them. And as I tell my many neighbors and friends, I live in Georgia, I said, you know what happens if you take Atlanta out of Georgia? And they said, what? I said, you got Alabama East. <laughs> they don't want to hear that, but you know, I live in rural Georgia. I see it every day. It's no different than Alabama, but the difference in Alabama, Georgia is Atlanta. My God, 55% of the population of the state of Georgia lives in the counties that make up Metro Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Y'all look at the signing, look at this past signing and look how many of those kids came out of Metro Atlanta. Hello. Yeah. There's a ton that's of- the difference. Oh yeah. That's the difference. It's, and so Alabama puts out, we love football in Alabama. We don't have the resources they have in Georgia. We don't have the numbers. But that's why they put out so many kids. And even with what everything Saban's done at the University of Alabama and Auburn's done in the last 10 years, the majority of the kids on their roster every year are from the state of Alabama, even though they're getting kids from other states now. But the majority of those kids and the majority of the starters come from the state of Alabama. The people in Alabama love football. They just don't have the resources. You know, so... And, and it's no different than any other southern state, but I'd put Alabama and Mississippi up against any state every year per capita. Mississippi's the same way. They're even smaller than Alabama. So, Yeah, I think, I mean, the guys, I mean, you talk recruiting, you talk to some of these coaches, there's a, a lot of guys that if you, can, if you can go down into Alabama and, and, you know, be able to find some of these people and have some of those connections, I mean, to me, you can, you can take three or four kids out of Alabama. And not only that, I mean, yeah, there's a good number of them staying in Alabama, but it seems like a lot of those kids are, are pretty open, to, you know, to leaving the state and, and going and playing some of those places. I mean, heck, like you guys have the example of the kid, you know, wanting to go play uh, yeah. play in Oregon. So, I mean, they're, they're not opposed because you said it to begin with. They love football. They really don't care where they have to go to play it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Triquez is his name, Triquez Bridges. And, and people kept saying, like, well, he don't need to go out there. He'll be back. He'll be back. I said, yeah, I don't know him. You know, because I had him in class, too. That's the great thing about a place that small is that we keep our, you know, we don't keep our hand on them, but we keep a finger on them. And we know where they're at every day. We know what they're doing in class. And I've taught the kid three times in class over the course of his four-year high school career, not on top of coaching him every day. I knew his mental makeup. I said, if anybody from Lynette, Alabama can go to Oregon and last and get a degree, it's this kid right here. He's just that kind of kid. He's a little more – I don't know if this is the right word or not. Is it you know, kind of quoting Doc Holliday from Tombstone? He's kind of cosmopolitan. Does that make sense? I mean, he's a little you – know, he's not your – Very cosmopolitan. <laughs> yeah. How cosmopolitan. Yeah. It's like when people ask me, are you still coaching? I say, well, I'm in my prime. <laughs> that is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, my brother lived out in the country when I first got married and he was a bunch of boys and they couldn't afford cable or a satellite dish. And when every time I went to visit him, Tombstone was playing. They went through two or three cassette tapes of Tombstone. Uh-huh. <laughs> every time I'd go visit my younger brother, we'd sit there and watch Tombstone. And I said, do y'all watch Tombstone every day? He said, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It just rolls over. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> So, but yeah, and that, that kid, I knew he'd be okay. And, uh, and I knew Mario knew he'd be okay. You know, it is kind of cool. You know, you got this kid that played it and not kid got this coach that played at Miami 
back in the day when Miami was Miami, Mario Cristobal. And he, he comes into Lynette, Alabama, and I'm sitting there to myself. You know, I've been coaching my whole life. I'm going like, I'm sitting here in this little school in East Alabama, and Mario Cristobal is walking around the school shaking hands with the students. You know, I'm going like, holy crap. You know, this is pretty daggum cool. And I knew he knew that this kid could make it. You know, that's what they do for a living. You know, they, they read these kids. And, you know, and uh, he asked me, and I said, oh, yeah, if anybody from a small country town, you know, a small little mill town in East Alabama can make it in Oregon, I said, this kid can. And he's been back a couple of times since, and you can already see that big city effect starting to take effect on him. And I knew it would. I knew it would. You know, he's a good kid, and he's a smart kid. Obviously, he's qualified. So, but yeah, that's kind of cool. Coach, you find you guys have, you know, just an abundance of skilled kids, you know, receivers, running backs, you know, athletes at QB. Is that, is that something, you know, one of the reasons why you kind of maybe gravitated away from the wing tee and, and kind of spread the thing out, knowing you guys could stretch the field a little bit with some of those athletes? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, okay, Coach Story's, uh, Coach Story's nephew was our quarterback in 13, and he wasn't as an adept a passer, but he was a really good quarterback. Well, the younger brother, I mean, the older brother took over the next year as a 10th grader. And he coached, he, he quarterbacked us for three years. And right then we started getting away from it. That year we were kind of 50-50 under center and then gun. And we'd be in gun. We'd be like in twins left, tight, wing right. And, the, you know, imagine the wing tee with twins, but instead of a quarterback behind center, the quarterback's behind center four yards deep like a fullback. And that's what we did that year. And the next year, we went more into spread and threw it around a lot. And then his senior year was the year we went to the fourth round, and we scored like 650 points in 14 games. And he just threw it all over the yard. He wound up signing with Richmond. And then the baby brother, not the baby brother, the middle brother took over. That's the one that just signed with Alabama his 10th grade year, won a state championship his 10th grade year and his senior year. Now, the baby brother – who, by the way, y'all can't see this, but I'm six foot five and I weigh 240 pounds. The baby brother is 15 years old and he's six foot five and weighs 245 pounds. And he'll be our quarterback next two years. So don't retire yet, coach. Stay in that. Yep. You ain't retiring, dude. <laughs> oh, I told him, I said, I said, I said, I told him the other day, I said, you understand. I said, if you don't start at quarterback next year, your big butt's going to be playing left tackle for me. That's exactly right. Well, coach, I'm you know, sitting here. I'm sitting here looking. I mean, I, I you know, I'm on rivals, and I, I, you know, I'd heard of Christian some of them, but like Harper, listen to these receivers: six seven, two hundred, six eight, two fifteen. I mean, good, good there night, you man. Go. Six nine, two thirty. What the heck, hush, man? Hush, hush. <laughs> good night. But, 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 but what you don't see on rivals is six four, two sixty eight. No. Because because our offensive line is five four one sixty eight. Okay, All big I'm kids not are joking. receiver. I say it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You don't have to block anybody when you give it to those guys. Come on now. <laughs> and he say, coach, what are we gonna do? I said, get in his way. Get in his way. <laughs> we're running jet. Run around. Hey, we're running yeah. jet. Just but get him reach. We're running jet, and that's one of the reasons why I'm still a jet guy because you don't have to be big to run jet. So, coach, how have you, you know, how have you, you morphed how have you morphed that from um, you know under center now going to a more spread offense? How have you morphed jet as far as maybe rules or how you how you think about it or how you teach that to your guys? Uh, you're not going to believe what I'm going to tell you. We block it exactly the same. Mm -hmm. When I first started running gun at a seven A school several years ago, I believed you couldn't pull the play side guard on jet the way wing T guys do. Okay. So what I did, I just full stretched it. Well, then I get, kept looking at it, I kept looking at it, and I kept looking at it. And I said, wait a minute, if we time it up right, we can still run jet and pull that play side guard and leave that three or that two alone. And I took an old wing tee drill, the old buck sweep drill, where you get out there and run buck sweep for nothing but five straight minutes, blah, blah, blah. and I made it the jet sweep drill. And every day in August, it's 10 minutes a day. Once we get it down pat, it's five minutes a day. And, of course, we're doing stuff in June and July, too, out there with the backs, working on meshes and all that. 
And what we do, we reach, okay, the H, we call him the H, that's the wing back. We call him an H because it's a hybrid tight end fullback. He reaches the outside linebacker, the tackle, play side tackle, reaches the DN, play side guard, pulls, runs the funnel, looking, looking for a scraping linebacker. One doesn't show up, goes on to safety. And then we put in RPOs off of it where the center, backside guard, and backside tackle block what's on their head. Because anything inside the tackle on Jed, if the timing's right, is irrelevant. We don't care what you do. And I've never understood, and most coaches know not to do it, why would you blitz a Jet team? Please blitz me in the A-gap, because that's one less guy I got to block. You know? And so, and that's what we do. And then on the backside, we run a slant. And if we see that outside linebacker on the backside bumping back into the box, take away our counter off jet or walking down old school South Alabama football is if you get motion away from you, backer, you blitz and chase the motion. That's the way they did it back in the old days. And a lot of guys still do it. Well, if we see you walk that guy down on the line. We're just going to flash fake the jet. We're going to hit that slant right there. And we're going to see what happens then. So the, the, the transition was easy. We're going to stalk on the front side. We're going to reach, reach. We're going to pull. We're going to base block everything that's left. And we're going to run jet. And we're going to run it every day. They still joke about it. There was a Facebook post by one of our former players like two days ago. We're going to jet their asses until the cows come home. And then we're going to milk those cows and get more jet out of them. And then it had my name. <laughs> and, and, and all the <laughs> former players are going like, that's Coach Siegel. Because I'll tell them, you know, and uh, every day at practice, I go, hey, coach, when's jet period today? Because they knew we were going to run jet every day. And and people can say, like, well, you know, you're just faster than everybody else. Well, okay. And am I stupid for not, you know. And that's, and that's why I run jet. <laughs> that's why I run jet. You know, if, if my line was huge and I had big old fullback and big old tailback, I'd show you some 1978 football and make you like that, too. I mean, that's what we do. You know, I'm not stupid. I look it, but I'm not. So, <laughs> well, that's nice. Yeah, that it's, that it's able to uh, marry up. Uh, it, how? How? I guess you like you. You've already said it, but you have a period every day that you guys work those. Um, I guess meshes or or whatever you would call that from the gun. Um, do you guys ever do like a, a power read or anything off of that to make it look like it's something other than jet? Or are you always uh, blocking the jet this year we did but then again i wasn't the oc this year I and the you. oc and i talked about it and i never second guessed him the whole time and i said yeah we can do this i said but now here's my philosophy on it you know and i'm of the opinion that you can have two philosophies on the same staff you just can't do but one philosophy philosophy so when i was the head coach we did my philosophy when i was the oc we did my philosophy when he's the oc we did his philosophy nothing wrong with that and so we did it this year, and we did do the power read, and we did do read the backside and all this. But the way I think is if we go as fast as he can possibly go, and I've heard coaches say, oh, no, our guy's going really fast, and we still read it. And I said, he's going as fast as he can go. And I said, really? How slow is he then? Because there's no way you can go that fast and still read. You cannot go as fast as we did it and read it. I'm telling you, you can't do it. But that's not saying it's not a good idea. You can slow that joker down and read it. And we did it this year and went 14-0, won the state championship. You know, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Now, I know the way I like to do it, but that don't mean it's the only way to do it. And we did it this year different. And it was fine. And we didn't, and we didn't pull the front side guard this year. We full-stretched the joker. And it worked. You know, we scored 40-something points in the state championship game at Jordan-Hare Stadium. You know, and beat a team that hadn't been beat since before the Dead Sea got sick. So, Coach, what what are some of the there, things you you do off of it? Then, I mean, is it you know you know counter or trap? I mean, what what are some of the the plays you have? I'm I'm guessing you know with you know the dude oh, at yeah, QB, absolutely. you got some some nice stuff. Uh, we've got a, We know we've got a decent sized staff. That's the other thing too that a lot of people that you know that play against us they'll talk about. We do. I mean, because even though we're a small school, we're a city school. And we've got that old, those old people still support us. And I say old people, I mean they're old, but the old Lynette people still support us. So we've got a good size staff. We've got a 5A staff at a 2A school. You know, we've got three guys on the staff that are former head coaches, and we've got at least six guys on the staff, including those five, that are former coordinators. 
at bigger schools. And, and because we pay like a bigger school because we're a city system, even though we're a small school. But anyway, what, we, what I do is some coach is watching the play side backer every time we run jet. A coach is watching the safety every time we run jet. Okay. They tell me what they're doing. If play side backer is chasing jet, we're coming back with what we call Q power. And we do the wrap block. We turn out with the, uh, the play side tackle on the DN. If they got a three tech, we turn out on him. We block back on the shade nose and we wrap the backside guard to the linebacker, which is not the play side backer because we already know he's chasing. So he winds up wrapping on the backside backer he's chasing and the quarterback fakes jet and runs a gap. Then we got the counter off of it. If they start taking away our RPO slant on the backside, and I know all the spread guys are going to, it's not a real RPO if you're not post-snap reading it, whatever, access throw, whatever you want to call it, I don't care. If they're taking that away with the backer, that means nobody's there to fall in on the counter. So we can run tailback counter off the jet, or we can go empty and run quarterback counter off the jet. Or we can run, quarter, we can run speed option backside off the jet. And we've got guys watching these guys. And I don't care how good the quarterback is and he's fine with Alabama and all that. He ain't better at looking at it than I am, especially when I'm in the press box playing Madden, you know, with these skilled guys. And I don't know we're seeing the whole field and I got guys with eyes watching it. And it's not that I'm a genius. I just got a great angle at it. And we can see what they're doing. And that's what we do. And we do it wide open. And you can – I can't tell you how many times people jump off sides and we run freeze play with jet motion. Oh, I believe I it. can't tell you. Because we run it so much, and they know, and they're obsessed with it. Now, here's the other thing, too. I make no assumption that I'm smarter than the coach on the other side of the field. But I will bet my retirement account that I'm smarter than any 11 kids he's got out there playing defense. <laughs> and that's who I'm coaching against. I don't have to trick. I don't care if they got Joe Lee Dunn over there in his heyday. What can Joe Lee Dunn get those 11, 16-year-old boys to understand? And my job, the way I look at it, is to make their coaches wrong and make those kids think, man, my coach knows what he's talking about. He told me that I did this, they do this, but they're not doing that. That's my job. If, I can quit, if we as offensive coaches can cast doubt in a teenage boy's mind about what they've been told, we're about to beat them. Period. End of it. And coach, that's my job because I'm coaching against them, not the coach. Do you run into any problems with the snap now that it's in gun? You know, I, I've always – I like when it's in gun. That way we can do some, some cool different things. But then now the snap, it seems like, has to be exactly timed well if you want it to hit really quickly. Uh, but if you're going to time it with that, you've got to have a really good snap. Is that something that you guys stress a bunch? Or, oh, yeah. or how does that work out? Well, it <laughs> – I'm, I'm, I'm really going to piss you off when I tell you this. It helps when your quarterback was offered a baseball scholarship by the University of Miami when he was in the eighth grade. That helps. So even the bad snaps, he fills them pretty well. And, <laughs> and so, but we, but again, it was a problem with the timing the first five minutes, eight years ago when we went to it, seven years ago when we went to it. There was a problem with the timing, and we just, and, and I, I even said this on the YouTube page that when I was doing the jet sweep drill and drawing it up for people, and I said, I can't tell you when to snap it. All I can tell you is we snap it when it's right about here and I put a mark on the board. I said, now you've got to practice it and figure out where it is. But I will say this. I would not have more than two dedicated kids that are the main jetters because of the speed difference. The speed difference matters. You know, if you've got one or two kids, you've got two kids that are the jetters, then the quarterback knows when to snap the football, call for the snap. And you just practice it and practice it and practice it. Like, and I, when, when Marcus was with us, he said, hey, can we do this? And I said, Marcus, let me tell you something. I said, if we can coach them to do it, they can do anything. I don't care what it is. You know, I, you know we can do anything we want to do if the kids can grasp it. And that's the thing. You know, it can you, and so we just sold out to doing the jet a few years ago. And – like, and it was because of what kind of kid we had, and it's paid off for us. Coach, do you do you guys still I, – I know you said a few years back, you know, you guys were pretty heavy into trap. Do you guys still run any trap out of gun? We, not true trap the last couple of years. We've toyed with it. 
I've never had, and somebody can tell me how they do it. And I, because believe you me, I don't think I know it all, but I've never had great success running trap at a gun. Now, I love the wrap, you know, where you, you turn out, turn out and wrap and kind of trap the backer, but we've never had great success with the trap. We've had some success with the long trap, you know, kicking the D in, but not right. the inside trap. And it's not that it's a bad play because I see people do it. Heck, I used to tell people back when we were a true wing te- team, you couldn't trap a, a one or a two eye. But then I see people that did it. And I was like, how do you do that? <laughs> and, apparently, and apparently they sold out to it like we sold out the jet. And they asked me, how do you do that? I said, well, you know, how do you, how do you trap a two eye? You know, my rule on trap is always trap the first man head up to outside the guard. Mm-hmm. If he's inside the guard, we're going to block down on him. That's always been my rule, but I've seen guys that do it. Enterprise of High School used to trap a one and a two eye like it was nobody's business huh. down in southeast Alabama. So I'd like to be able to run some more trap. I think that it, it does so much, but it just it scares me to death. I don't know if it's the, the big negative play or them slanting into it or I just haven't had – good success with it in general I like it just to kind of slow down that three technique that we like to double all the time but it makes me so nervous they're going to slant or move or uh and then it just be a blown up play well we were under center and we were majoring in trap I tell you that kid ran for over 2,500 yards by the way he went to Jacksonville State as defensive back and he's about to be drafted in the draft they made him into a defensive back but he had, I guarantee you, 1,500 of his over 2,500 were on trap. And people knew the first play of the game was going to be trap. So we're in the second round of the playoffs in 2013, and we were on trap right. And we're in, a, we're in a, the double wing, not double wing, but, you know, like the Georgia, Georgia Tech thing with a right. tight end and a split end and two wing. And the guy goes in motion, and we run the trap, and, man, they hit him in the mouth. I mean, they hit him in the mouth. It's like a gain of none or a loss of a half. And so the, I'm on the sideline at this point. I'm still on the sideline coaching. And I had an old wing T guy that was my spotter. He'd retired a year or two before. And I talked him into coming on Friday nights and being my spotter because he knew wing T. And I said, did they slant to the motion, coach? He said, yeah, they did. And Coach Story said, what are you going to run now? He said, I think they're on to you. I said, the same damn play. And he said, what? And uh, about that time, we snapped it. But the motion guy went the opposite direction this time. They slanted the wrong way, and he ran 76 yards for a touchdown on the second play of the game because there's always an answer. There's always an answer. Once I figured out they were slanting to the motion, they were done. On the second play of the game, I put doubt in the, in the defensive players' minds, and we scored 51 points that night and beat them 51 to 40. <laughs> Because, well, the rest of the game, they were useless. They were just in the way because now, you know, our, we've been practicing for three days to stop this. Coach said, if you'll slant, because in 12 football games, guys, we had never ran against the motion, ever. Wow. We practiced it. We practiced it. But people all the time tell me, you know, you've got tendencies. And I said, yeah, tendencies are a good thing. That's right. But I think that's, what, uh, but that's got, what Wall's guy used to always say, his old head coach. So you get tendencies for a reason. Yeah. Because you're good at, so, you're good at something. you know you've got them, it's not a problem. You know what I'm saying? If you know you've got the tendency and you're just waiting for somebody to hurt you with it, now you got them. Does that make sense? Yeah, exactly. You run into the, the D coordinators that, you know, they've been breaking down, you know, 12 of your films. So they know all the tendencies too. And they're building their game plan around it because that's what, you know, most defensive guys do. Hey, we're gonna you know plug plug in the numbers. When the fullbacks here, they run this. When the when the guys you know lined up even with the quarterback, they run this play. So I mean, they they got you all figured out. And then it's like you said, when I know that too, and then all of a sudden I come out and I have two three tendency breakers, and we hit it. Boom! There's doubt in the DC's mind, and there's doubt even worse on that eleven man defensive side too. Oh, oh absolutely. Absolutely. I'll give you, all right, two years ago when we won a state championship, we're in the semifinals, okay? And again, I'm not, I'm not being cocky. We scored 61 that night in the semifinals. But anyway, <laughs> so what we did, uh, we've been running, we called it the truck. And it's the reverse that Auburn runs a lot, where they fake like, you know, the sweep one way and they give it to the Z coming back the other way, the slot guy. 
and we'd run it and run it and run it with the same kid we run the jet with. And nobody really stopped it because that kid was really special. He wound up going out to Kansas to a JUCO. And I think he's, you know, he's back home now uh, somewhere near us. And they, uh, and we ran the truck and the truck gained about six yards. But you could see from the press box that they were doing pretty good with it, that the defense had, had played it. And, and I'm not one of these guys like in the NFL and major college football, you know, you'll, you'll do something and you'll file it away and come back to it. In high school football, you do it right then. Because, again, you're coaching against 16-year-old kids. You're not coaching against, you know, Deron Payne or some all-pro playing for the Ravens. So you come back right to it. And I said, okay, run the, run the truck pass. So we fake the sweep to the tailback, crossing the quarterback's face. Quarterback turns around, fakes the reverse, the truck reverse, to the slot guy. Takes two steps back, hits that tailback, running down the numbers on the short side of the field for about 60 yards for a touchdown. Boom, they're done too because now everything's a lie. I mean, it's, it's not complicated. It's football. And the reason I know it's not complicated because I've been doing it for 34 years. And I'm what you call a NARS, N-A-R-S, not a rocket scientist. <laughs> well, Coach, so, so down in Alabama, I think the biggest question that anyone that's not from Alabama has to ask is, are, are you Auburn or are you Alabama guy? Roll damn tide. <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> my daddy was raised about 20 miles from tuscaloosa he, my daddy was born a coal miner's son right outside of between tuscaloosa and birmingham and all he ever knew was bear bryant hung the moon and my daddy was in the military and uh there are pictures of me in okinawa japan back in the 1960s listening to an alabama auburn football game wow. on a shortwave radio sitting in my daddy's lap so, yeah, I'm an Alabama fan, but I'm not one of those Alabama fans. I wouldn't kill anybody's tree. <laughs> Unless they made you real mad. You <laughs> no, can't make me that mad. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, everybody, uh, you're right. If you played at Troy, you played at Jacksonville State, you played at UNA, it don't matter. You better pull for You got to have one of them. One day a year, you've got to pull for one of them, or they pull your citizenship papers. Yeah. <laughs> well, my favorite story is I. It was Alabama Auburn weekend, and I was playing at Houston, and we were playing. Must have been UAB, or maybe it was a bowl game. I, I can't remember which. But anyways, we go in and and we go to a movie theater, and we've got you know red these red jumpsuit things. So so we're going out of the movie theaters and people are going crazy for us. They're losing their mind and they're yelling, roll tide. We're walking through this movie theater and we felt like the biggest celebrities in the world. We got on the bus saying, roll tide. Oh yeah, roll tide. So probably our best, our best moment in college football was pretending like we were uh, playing for Alabama. Hey, we're good at football, but literacy is not our strong point. They couldn't tell that H from an A. So anyway. <laughs> I remember we we were driving through Alabama, my brother and I, and a bunch of us, and, and the same deal. I, I can't remember where we stopped. And, of course, Coach, you know, you talk about rain. It was like just a monsoon rainstorm, you know, sort of been, you know, about March. And we were going to a gas station. And some guy, again, my brother and I couldn't understand really what he was saying. But I, I know this, he was wearing the A on the shirt. And all, all I, you know, all I knew was, I was like, hey, man, roll damn tide. And that guy, I mean, swear, he just slapped me on the back. <laughs> you know, all excited. But that, that's the only thing he needed to hear. Once I said roll damn tide, he was like my new best friend. So that, that was my first time. Oh, yeah. First time ever. Hey, have have y'all ever noticed, have y'all ever noticed the similarity between the Atlanta Brave A and the Alabama A? I have. On the caps, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know how to tell them apart besides the color? No. And this is not a joke. This is for real. Google it when we get off the air, and you'll go like, holy crap, Coach Siegel was right. The Alabama A has a mullet at the top of it. Huh. Look at it. I, I, as God is my witness, the way to tell and, – and like I said, I'm not that Alabama fan. I can make fun of myself and my fan base. <laughs> Alabama A has a mullet. <laughs> Look at it. <laughs> All right. And the Braves A doesn't have the mullet because, God forbid, anybody in Atlanta would have a mullet. <laughs> Very cosmopolitan over there. <laughs> Very cosmopolitan. <laughs> <laughs> 
Teed it up. Yeah, that's. I didn't realize, Coach, until uh, someone told me that uh, although Alabama only has maybe whatever, it looks like 10 miles of, of shoreline, it's it's um, some amazing shoreline in Alabama. Oh, dude, I'm, I'm going to tell you, uh, the Gulf Coast, or as we like to call it, the Redneck Riviera, is as pretty a deep as God huh? ever put on this earth, man. It's the real deal. Listen, Kenny Stabler knew what he was doing. <laughs> Kenny Stabler was born there, went back there when he retired, he died there. Hmm. Yes, sir. That's a true story. Now, Orange Beach and Gulf Shores, Alabama, is, is as pretty as anything you'll find up and down the Gulf Coast. Hey, here's a little tidbit for you. Talking about water, Alabama has more miles of navigable waterway than any state in the union. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Coach, I'm headed down to I'm headed down to Gulf Shores uh, over the fourth. I can't wait, and I'm driving too. The the wife was like, "Well, hey, let's let's fly down." I'm like, "Heck no." The times that I've driven down, you know, through those parts has been a blast. So I'm actually excited to to drive down and spend. Now, are you coming from Oklahoma or Iowa? I'm coming from Iowa. Oh, okay. All right. Cool. cool. I'm coming through hey, Alabama. Dude, dude, I'm going I, to Florida for spring break. But bottom. Where, where are you going to? Where. where are you going? Where are you going? Uh, you I don't know. Wherever my wife told me we're going, somewhere somewhere on a I'm beach on. in Florida. <laughs> Man, my favorite, our favorite place to go forever was Mexico Beach, and that hurricane took it out. Uh, the uh, fall of 2018, hmm. and it's still struggling. Mexico Beach is this beautiful little town with no chain stores, no chain motels. It reminds me of the little town we live in here in Georgia, but it just has a beach. And that's the most beautiful place. And then right around the bend from it is Cape Sandblast. Oh, my God. You could film a sequel to uh, that uh, Tom Hanks movie where he was marooned on the desert island mm-hmm. at certain times of year on that beach out there. That's how many people aren't there. And uh, it's growing up like everything else. People discover it. But, yeah, the Gulf Coast of Alabama and Florida is the prettiest beach I've ever seen in my life. And I've seen some beaches now because my daddy being military, we went all over the world. Mm-hmm. But the Gulf Coast is amazing and the seafood is out of this world. Hmm. Y'all are missing if you don't come down Christmas break because that's when the seafood's really good. Huh. I'm telling you, the shrimp, the oysters. Oh my goodness! That's what my we uncle, go down there every year during Christmas break. That's what my uncle said. He he ended up buying his uh, his vacation home was down in Foley, so he 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 oh, be yeah. telling us that all the time. My my mom and dad go down and visit him and stay with him for for months. You know, play play all the Robert Trent Jones courses and then. He'd just be taking him to a different seafood place, and then he, he he just drank tequila all the time. So he'd be telling all the places that the best tequila too. <laughs> hey, <laughs> good life, man. Those Robert Kent Jones golf courses. I own those golf courses. Well, there we go. <laughs> no, seriously, Retirement Systems of Alabama owns the Robert Trent Jones golf courses. <laughs> so, hey, remember this: every time you play around at an RTJ. You're paying for Coach Chip's retirement check, so keep on doing it, guys. <laughs> Only if you send me some of these six, eight receivers, then we'll then I'll keep playing them. <laughs> well, hell, they're all gone now. <laughs> so, hell, we had a six, eight, and a six, nine this year, and we couldn't talk them into playing football again. Jeez. They're on the basketball team right now in the state tournament. I say, so, yeah, they're That's probably winning too. State titles, reverse. They're winning. The, hell, they're, they're, yeah, they just won the sub regional the re, uh, last night. 86 to 36. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. They're, they're, they're tall. Yeah. Okay. And they're athletic too. They're built like Greek gods and we couldn't get them to play football. Yeah. So that's a true story too. Well, coach. Hell, everything you know, I told you is a true story. <laughs> I'm glad, glad you're not lying to us. <laughs> yeah. That's one of my pet peeves. It's, it's like people say, I'm going to be honest with you. Well, what the hell have you been the last time you were talking to me? <laughs> yeah. And that ain't no shit neither. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You've been in Alabama. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all right, ask me the question. I, all right, I, Coach. I've got to be asked the question. So, so you're, you're watching another team's offensive line. What's something they'd be doing uh, that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Dude, I've been practicing answering this question every time I listen to y'all when I'm on a run for two years. <laughs> Get off and finish. Get off and finish. And the old school guy in me still worries about getoff, you know, and all this kind of stuff. But the finish, something I learned years ago, 
and I learned it from Mickey Andrews, the former DC at Florida State, is block to the echo of the whistle. He used to say hit to the echo of the whistle. And D linemen are very aggressive. When the whistle blows, push them one more time. And sooner or later, they're going to take a swing at you and you're going to get a free 15. So get off and finish. When the ball snaps, get off and hit them in the mouth. When the whistle blows, push them one more little time. And sooner or later, they're going to get mad. So I love that. Get off and finish. When I watch them, they get off and finish. I said, somebody's been coaching these kids. Coach, man, it's been an, absolute, been an absolute blast, uh, you know, being able to, to rap with you for an hour. And like I said, you know, Harp and I get a chance to, to roll through Bama. I've I've never been on the the Chattahoochee, so maybe uh, maybe we'll get a chance to get on out there to uh, to Lynette and and see how it's done, man. Okay, wait a minute, real quick. All right, I live in Georgia, about twenty miles from Lynette, just across the river, because I married a Georgia girl my second time around, and I got it right this time. Is the uh, I live in Pine Mountain, which is the home of Callaway Gardens. Do you guys golf? Walls does. Absolutely. Well, walls. If you'll come, to, if you get near the Chattahoochee, come to Pine Mountain, Callaway Gardens. Now, when you get off the air, Google Callaway Gardens. They they used to play PGA tournaments here. It is unbelievable. I don't play golf, but I run on the golf course, and it's beautiful. And uh, look at the history of Callaway Gardens, a little town of Pine Mountain. Anybody out there? I've been begging the people at Callaway to put on a coaching clinic. They got a huge resort out there. This little town of fifteen hundred people's got this huge resort right there. I mean, it's unbelievable. And, you know, we, I go out there every day and run. I went out there this morning, ate breakfast with my wife, you know, at the resort. It's, it's unbelievable. And it's a little bitty town. But if you like golf and if your wives like flowers come in the springtime, the azaleas and dogwoods are blooming, hmm, something else, dude. But that's my commercial for <laughs> that's my commercial for Callaway. And by Checking the way, my wife's the, mayor pro tem. <laughs> my wife's the mayor pro tem of, of Pine Mountain, and she's a realtor here, so that's helping her too. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly so, right. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. yeah. That's what she told me when I retired. She said, baby, go ahead and retire. She said, you got good insurance in retirement. She said, I'll keep making these money. <laughs> Sugar mama. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I earned it, man. <laughs> so, that's it, right. It's been great. Hey, uh, can I plug myself real quick? Do it. Of course. YouTube, Coach Chip. YouTube on Coach Chip channel. I've started. I've got five episodes up. It's all about Jet Sweep right now. Duh. I knew y'all wouldn't figure that one out. And uh, and eventually I'm going to get into other stuff that we've done over the years and things like this. And even some of the new stuff that we did this year with our new young OC who's brilliant. And uh, with all the new stuff, he's a real leech guy and all that kind of stuff, which I think is freaking awesome. I think I'm one of the few old coaches that's not threatened by young coaches. I embrace them because I said, they're smarter than I am. So let's go with it. And, uh, and so we're, it's just going to be all kind of cool stuff. And it's the, the production value sucks, but I think it's good football information. So it's nothing as fancy as what y'all do. So. Hey man, you'll keep getting better and better at it. It just takes practice. I know when we first started, uh, we both thought the same thing. Like, man, we ain't very good, but I know this, we were having a ton of fun. So hopefully we've gotten a little bit better since those days. Oh, that's what I'm doing. I just got to have something to do in between my morning run and time to go to the weightlifting. So I'm just, you know, that's what I'm doing. So, and it's fun, like I said, and y'all do a great job. I mean, it is freaking awesome. I started bragging y'all to all the coaches after I heard y'all that first time. I went, guys, I found this neat podcast. And, of course, some of the young coaches go like, you know what a podcast is? You know, I said, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know what a middle finger is, too. Look at this one. And so, anyway. But, yeah, y'all do a great job. I, I just – football's in good hands with coaches like you, ROC, and a bunch of other our coaches – and you guys and some of these young guys, y'all get come on there. Football's in good shape. And y'all defending the game, but not at the expense of, you know, of the game. You know, a lot of old coaches are defending the game at the expense of the game. You know, you can't change it. You can't change it. Well, you know what? We got to change or they're going to kill it. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I'm all for it. You know, I'm all about keeping the head out of the game. And y'all do a great job. And, I, and I've learned stuff from y'all. I've, done, I've changed my power blocking scheme based on some of y'all's podcast 
<laughs> you know, things. And y'all do a good job. And I'm much more on the power than I am on the dadgum, uh, the zone. I, I don't know what it is. I just love power block and I love gap schemes. So, but, oh, I know why. I'm a wing T guy. That's right. I'm going to say, come on, man. Angle blocks and blocking now. Let's go. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I try to tell people, I say, anybody knocking them off the ball, it's about moving them sideways where you can run through that hole, you know. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it will allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at runthepower. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.